Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your tits. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it! This is Top Like Jewel Machine, I am Andy Hotbody Dawson, pow pow pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? It's our second look at the chart of the 11th of June 1976, the top 40. Uh, we read it out in the last episode, number one this week was the Wurzels with Combine Harvester. Um, I actually found the top of the pops from this week online um, on the dark web if you know where to look there's a lot of top of the pops episodes that's all I'm prepared to say Um, and this episode was on presented by Noel Edmonds no less 40 minutes on his own own, yeah it's I mean it's top of the pops 1976 is weird because it's it's in a completely dark studio there's none of that mm. um, disco fever that there was in the early eighties when Michael Hill took over. Um, yeah, it's a it's a very um, I don't know steered serious kind of scenario. I know that's mm. how I think of seventies Top of the Pops of it being mm. very dark. Yeah, and eighties Top of the Pops was just so much fun. But uh, the Wurzels were on it singing Combine Harvester. Again, it's one of them. Novelty records that got to the top of the charts, probably thanks to Terry Wogan. I'd imagine Terry mm. Wogan was probably plugging it. Although Noel Edmonds might well have plugged this on his breakfast he show because it's a bit wacky, didn't isn't it? Yeah. 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 So Absolutely who knows? nuts and zany. Noel loved all that. Yeah. What was the other Wurzel's big hit? Was it I Am a Cider Drink? That's error. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was that their only two hits they had? Yeah, that was the follow up. Yeah, and that was basically it. It was all over for the Wurzels in the space of six months. Wonder what they're up to now, mate. Oh, I bet they're still going. Let's have a look. Wurzels. Still touring band. History box. <laughs> they are a scrumpy and western band from Somerset. Best known for their number one hit, the Combine Harvester, and the number three hit, I Am A Cider Drinker. They are known for using British West Country phrases, Ooh, are and calling young people young'uns in songs such as <laughs> I Am A Cider Drinker and Combine Harvester. And they are, yes, they are still going. Uh, no, I don't know how many of the original members are still in there, but they're still, obviously, of course, they're still. There's bound to be one, at least, from the original band still going. And uh, Yeah, the old West Country, somewhere that we've never toured. I feel of it, the West Country is like a... It's like a... Well, I mean, of course, Cornwall... Desire independence, but the whole of the West Country feels like a very distinct and separate place from from the country. It's beautiful, obviously. They have their own traditions and things there, don't they? They do, yeah. Um, I think you know, back in the day, they used to say if you go out in Plymouth, it's like one the like you get a fucking proper good tear up as good as anywhere in the country. It's the cider, I reckon. Mm. Oh, it's Plymouth. Plymouth, not cider, is it? It's Plymouth part of this, the, the West Country, is it? Plymouth is in Devon, is, yeah. Is it? Yeah, it's all a mystery to me. I'm too far away from it all. Mm. Uh, 
Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a mysterious place, but a beautiful place. One day we'll go. If we have any West Country listeners, I mean, I think I've done a shout out before because we've talked about places to tour, and I just don't, I just don't think that in the West Country there's a top flight time machine fan base. But well, I mean, if there we, was, we've got the access to the stats, and we know where the, the people are that's listening. There, yeah, and we them. haven't seen a lot of people in the West Country, and there's, so. there's not many, which is fine. So what you what? If you're in the West Country and you're one of the few people listening to Top Light Time Machine, come on, lads, get in touch and tell us what are all your mates listening to? What's the big podcast in the West Country? Peter Crouch. Yeah, we crouch everywhere. Yeah. Did you manage to catch any of Crouchy's um, bantankerous uh, Euros <laughs> show? Crouchy's year-long Euros. <laughs> <laughs> Crouchy's no. Euro Bonanza no, with um, that, Maya, the, the lovely Maya Jammer. I saw a little bit of the beginning of a couple of them, but I decided it wasn't for me. It's not no, aimed well, at my To be fair, it's not aimed at us, is it? It's not aimed exactly. at a couple of old fucking cunts like us. It's exactly. for the young'uns. We're not uh, bantankerous. No. Um, what else is going on in this chat? There's a very interesting song at number three, which again is novelty-esque. And it's by J.J. Barry, and it's called No Charge. And it had been number one. I don't know this. Yeah. It had been number one the week before, just one week at number one. And um, it's a sort of a country and western type song um, with spoken lyrics. And it's one of these story songs. Um, And it's about a little boy who goes up to his mum in the kitchen and he gives her a piece of paper. And she, uh, she reads it and... He's charging her for all of the um, the jobs that he's done around the house. I'm looking at the mm. lyrics now. For mowing the lawn, $5. For making my own bed this week, $1. For going to the store, 50 cents. Playing with little brother while you went shopping, 25 cents. Taking out the trash, $1. Etc, etc. Total owed, fourteen seventy-five. Now, when I was young, if you went up to your parents with a itemised bill like that, you'd probably get a clip around yeah. the back of the head. You'd get a clip around the fucking ear. Yeah. Especially for some of those things, like playing with his little brother or little sister. It's like, well, you're not getting fucking paid for that. <laughs> Cheeky little cunt. And uh, so the mother turns the paper over and writes on the back, and she writes, For the nine months I carried you growing inside me, no charge. For the nights I've set up with you, doctored you and prayed for you, no charge. For the time and the tears you've cost through the years, no charge. When you add it all up, the full cost of my love is no charge. And she goes on and on and on. And uh, the kid reads it and he has big tears in his eyes. And he says, Mama, I should do love you. And then he took the pen and he, in big letters he wrote, paid in full. So there no. we go. What a lovely story that is. And then at the end, JJ Barry says, Lord knows when you add it up, the cost of real love is no charge. And there we go. And that got to number one. That was the most popular single in the United Kingdom in June 1976. That again... See, that, this um, appreciation of your parents that people express, right? Yeah. I was reading a book about that recently. It was like a memoir, and, and in it, the author's going, oh, you know, the... Uh, what is that? I'm not going to say who it was. I'll be reading a memoir. memoir. <laughs> I was reading. I wasn't writing it. I was reading a memoir, okay. and it was a uh, and and the, the author was like, "Yeah, I mean, the thing is, my parents they did so much. They did so many sacrifices for me, and they're my inspiration." And just and I, 
this is a horrible, cynical point of view, right? And mm. I don't get me wrong, I love my parents, particularly, I was about to say, particularly my mum. But, you know, I appreciate <laughs> what my mum did for me, yeah. raising me. I, of course I do. You know, and I love her to bits. But some people fucking overdo it a bit because all this stuff about sacrifices, yeah? Mm. Yeah, mate. We make sacrifices. We make sacrifices for our kids every day, I suppose. But you do. don't really see it as sacrifice because you've chosen that life. Yeah. So it's not really a sacrifice. I mean, what I'm saying is, it's like in this in this book, the author goes, oh, they made so many sacrifices. They sent me to a private school, which meant that they could never afford nice things or holidays like some of their friends did, right? And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, yeah, but that was their choice. Yeah, if exactly. you spend money... And take the private school thing out of it, because obviously we both know our points of view on private education. But if you have spent money on kids, but then you turn around to them and then they're older and go, because of all that money I spent on you, I couldn't afford a better car. That was a sacrifice. And you're like, no, it fucking wasn't a sacrifice. <laughs> it's just not a fucking sacrifice. It's, it's not, not really. You got Sacrifice over-dramatises it. It was a choice that you made to spend money on one thing and not another thing. Well, I mean, it's it's good parenting. I mean, I don't know whether sending your kids to private school is good parenting. I guess it is ultimately because you get a better education and they will get better opportunities in life. But it's that's what you're. It's in not your true. You get a better it's education. It's not true. Mm. You get a better education. There's no stats to provide that. That's a myth. The 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 education you get, the outcomes are, are based almost entirely on your on family and yeah. your socioeconomic background, yeah. irrespective of what school you go to. Yeah, or education might not be better, but the outcome is probably going to be better for yeah, you. Yeah, the doors are going to open a lot easier. I mean, I yeah. I. I, I, I this this episode's going out a couple of weeks after it happened, but I just saw there was a couple of um, actor comedians complaining about how hard it is to get things commissioned these days. On oh, on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. And yeah, I thought, yeah, but you both went to Oxbridge, so imagine if how hard it would fucking be if you hadn't had that fucking yeah. Or imagine open if you were black, you. yeah, or Asian, or yeah. any other minority. And you've already had, I would you've say, already had about twenty years worth of non-stop work anyway. So I, mean, I, know, you know. I know, I know, I know. I saw that, and I thought they were talking about sort of things that have happened to me as well. But I think it's really important when you don't, when you miss out on work or work gets cancelled. On the whole, it's so important to just not take that shit personally. Yeah. And and not whinge. You can be down about it because no one likes losing work. Sometimes it, it can be a big blow. It can be a big blow to your self-confidence, self-esteem. And more in more practical sense, it can be a blow to your fucking finances and you can worry. So I'm not saying I'll oh, just brush you off. It doesn't matter. But it's not going to... A bad situation is not helped by you becoming bitter, blaming people or playing the victim. Because nine times out of ten, if you've lost work... No one's done it to fuck you over. People mm. have done it because that's what fucking happens. I mean, it's, especially if you've cho- if you've chosen something that is like as volatile and whimsical as show business. Yeah, I mean, then you, the whole thing is is that you're constantly going to be judged on subjective points of view. If you're going to get into what what is always freelance work in the media, you've mm. got to be able to deal with rejection right from the off because yeah. you're going to get it constantly. Uh, I've had it a million fucking times because of the nature of my work. And I've always thought, this is the path I've fucking chosen. When I started mm. as a journalist, I could have, you know, I worked at big publishers in fairly secure jobs on magazines. And, and really, if you just ha- held on to that, 
you could have just even if the magazine I was working on had shut or whatever you would have just stayed I would have stayed in the company and moved on to a different magazine and slowly worked my way up and kept my head yeah. down but I chose I, that didn't really motivate me so I chose a different path but if I was fucking wasting a lot of energy every time on, on getting embittered when effectively a contract came to an end which is all it is a lot of time I go you signed a contract you've seen, you've seen your contract out we're going to try something else now. <laughs> and you just go, yeah, all right. There was, you, you know, you go, I'm gutted, but I'm not going to fucking take it personally because I see people calling out other individuals. And I think that's a bit unfair, really, because it's easy to portray the boss that's laid you off as a fucking cunt. But I've tried to never do that because I think I, any boss that's ever said to me, oh, you're not giving... I mean, actually, I can only really think of one job where I've been effectively booted... I can't think of any jobs where they've gone, right, you're booted out. Mm. I've never been sacked. I, but I do remember, obviously, talk radio, I had a two-year contract. That two-year contract came to an end. Mm. And they go, we're going to try someone else now. Mm. And to be honest, part of me thought, yeah, you should because, you you know, you need... <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's probably the right decision. If I was in your, in your seat, I'd do the same. It's not to say I wasn't going... But I was only gutted about the money. I wasn't cutting about the job. I was sick of it. <laughs> You know, there's two things. There's the job. Do you want to do the job? Answer, no. Well, then there's the money you get paid for the job. Do you want that money? Yes. But short of me going to them going, can you carry on paying me, but I don't have to turn up and present the show? It's not going to fucking work, is it? I mean, so I, used like, to, I used to appear on that show occasionally, and I used to come at the studio now and again and appear in, in person. And yeah. I used to think, I don't know how he does this. I don't know how he does this for three hours every day. It yeah, drove me fucking hours. spare. So fucking yeah, but you're you're right. That's exactly what it was. It did well, drive me spare. You didn't have a sidekick either. Like a lot of people, as no. a two-hander thing. This was just you driving the whole thing. I just, it was I just me driving it. it, driving it, and it was under-resourced production, right? Yeah. So you didn't go on air, like you know, I'd, I'd presented shows at the BBC where you've got people working and they give you a lot of content, guests and other stuff and scripts and things to talk about. Whereas talk radio, there it was, you know, well, whatever. I'm not complaining about. Already, but it was fucking hard and yeah it wasn't very it was not so I can I can't I've got quite a lot of admiration for people who've done radio shows like that for fucking years and years yeah. because I don't know without losing their mind so I don't know how it's done that's the only time I can think of where and it wasn't even a booting really it was just like we're not renewing your contract we'll try someone else we've, we've tried we, you've done it for two years and you're like fine but I didn't fucking jump on Twitter and start going ah they didn't renew my contract and I've worked so hard for two years. <laughs> it's like, yeah, as you were paid to do. Do you know what I mean? I was paid by them to work hard for two years. They don't owe me a favour. They owe me money. They was... paid me the fucking money. Jalapeño. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Jalapeño. There was another thing on Twitter as well today, which was a young person, and another young person has different outlooks on, on life to, mm. to, let's say, people of our age. And they were saying, can you ever get your head around how wild it is that when you, you try to put in for holidays at work and they don't necessarily let you have them on the dates you want, 
isn't mm. that wild? Yeah. And like, and someone further down pointing that, but yeah, that's how it works. That's the contract you signed when you signed up to yeah. do the job. Yeah, yeah. It's the enti- there's a, there's an enormous sense of entitlement amongst some people, and I'm all for workers' rights. Yeah, but the the, the entitlement is is unbelievable because. People might go, ah, oh, well, you just are used to being abusive. It's, it's not really. It's a transaction that works both ways, you know. Mm. Someone is paying me to do the job. I'm getting money from them to do this job. In to return for that money, I have to honour fucking certain obligations. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, that, and that's that. That's it. And that's why when a job came to an end, like to radio, I wasn't like, <laughs> you owe me one because I've worked so hard. Because it's like, well, we would expect you to work hard. We've been paying you quite a lot of money to fucking do it. You don't. We're not going to say, oh, thanks so much. We're going to give you extra money because you worked particularly fucking hard. We're paying you money. We expect you to fucking turn up and do the job <laughs> yeah. every day. That's it. Yeah. You know. So it's. Um, I can't remember how we got onto this. I've got no idea. I don't know. I've got no but, idea how we got onto it, but it was, it's, it was, oh, no, we were it was, talking about was, JJ Barry no it, charge. It, it I was no saying, charge. I was saying that people overplay in a way their appreciation to their parents were sacrificing because I have never once thought if I buy my kids something right or I spend money on I don't know they're not that expensive really kids especially once they get a bit older they mm. probably they're, they're a bit expensive in the beginning because babies you need to get loads of equipment baby equipment and then when they get older like you're getting to the point where your kids are going to start being expensive because your daughter will be off at uni and that'll cost you money right but then i'm in a sweet spot where really i mean i couldn't even buy len new clothes if i try because he doesn't he he's got a fucking no i'm wearing it okay that that t-shirt's three fucking sizes too small for you don't care mate wearing it i don't want anything new don't like clothes (laughs) right so but what I haven't done is, let's say, for instance, buy him a fucking, you know, game for the PlayStation for 60 quid mm. and then go, I've made the sa- I've made so many sacrifices for you because I could have spent that 60 pounds on a new pair of shoes for myself. Do you know well, what I mean? Because it's like, it's, I made the fucking choice. You talk about the university thing. T- three, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was, I went to London overnight and stayed over and then went to a university open day with my daughter mm. and then drove back again the day after and as a result I missed all four of the quarterfinals of Euro 2020 now I would have liked to have watched all the quarterfinals of Euro 2020 instead of yeah. being on the road back and forth to London didn't feel like a sacrifice so it's just fucking parenting it's what you have to do uh, you just uh, don't you know, put yourself first anymore I think I think that that this comes down to I think there are some parents who guilt their kids on purpose and then you get these kids who fucking get sucked in by that narrative mm. and next thing you know they're writing books going I owe my parents so much they made so many sacrifices for me mm. so well no, they chose to have a family that's the life that they have chosen and it's and by the way they've chosen it because it's a happy and fulfilling life as well and if it's yeah, not it, because it, it's like oh I've had to go through so much pain to make a kid feel like you've had to go through hardship in order to enable them having a good mm. life is bullshit that's really bad yeah. so fuck all this I'm not saying don't appreciate your parents but don't fucking get sucked into a narrative where they've sacrificed their own happiness for you but really if they were decent parents they should have been fucking enjoying every moment of it yeah. apart from the really shit bits you oh, know and there are quite, quite a few of them wiping shit up and that yeah um, what else are we looking at on this chart 
Fernando, just quickly, I worked with a news reporter and I worked at ITN years ago. One of the senior reporters who I think still pops up on the news. I can't remember what channel he's on now, but you get these career reporters who are stood with their microphone at a news scene, Mm. right? And so, and he's so, this one's been around for years. You might have heard of him. His name's Ben Ando. Uh, and he was quite posh, quite straight. I didn't, wasn't mates with him, but when we were in the pub after work, the pub that I've told you about, because Trevor McDonald used to always be in there at the bar in his raincoat. Oh, yeah. Maybe I've got time for one more. His trophy <laughs> fucking driven car would be out the front with the yeah. motor running, right? Yeah. It was superb. Getting pissed with Trevor McDonald's one of the best things ever that I've done. But in a, you'd Ben Ando be there. And of course it would always be, can you, can hear, you hear the drums, the drums Ben Ando? Yes. And I still see it. Sometimes it comes up on the, like, I'll be listening to the radio in the background and go, here with the story is Ben Ando. And every yeah. time I'm saying, can you hear the drums, Ben Ando? I used to tweet that whenever he'd appear on the news. Oh, really? Can oh, you there hear you go. the drums, Ben Ando? It's just so We used fucking... to actually sing it to him in the boozer. Yeah. Don't think he found it very funny. No, probably didn't. Um... Right, what else? Well, I mean, Fernando Bayaba, number one uh, for four weeks. And then it dropped out at number four. Abba. Uh, yeah, is it is it one of their greatest songs? It's got Maybe. lovely pipes, hasn't it? It's, it quite has, a di- yeah. it's quite a distinctive Abba song. Like, Abba songs have a sound to them, but then occasionally they do a song that doesn't fit in with the rest of their oeuvre, and yeah. I'd say Fernando is one of them, because this feels like a sort of a spaghetti western soundtrack, it a, doesn't it? a new it? level of sophistication for them, and then they pulled it off again mm. with Chikatita, which is quite mm. similar a few years Similar later, vibe, yeah. sort of Mexican vibe to it, yeah. I think. But then further down the chart, you've got uh, Brotherhood and Man with Save Your Kisses for Me, which was the Eurovision winner, I think, that year, and that was number one I've for always six hate, weeks. hated this. Yeah, I mean, the the last line of it is just awful because, you know... What is it? Is it Nancy? A bit, yeah. Uh, just because you're only three. So it's oh, a fellow yeah. who's singing it to his daughter. Oh, it was a child all along. Yeah. Nonce. What's this? <laughs> a fucking nonce anthem. It's a nonce anthem. KTL presents nonce Yo, anthems on a not, double CD. He's, he's singing it to his kid because he has to go off to work. He has to go off to work in the media. Uh, it's really hard. He's making lots of sacrifices and all that. But again, again that was supposed to be an ABBA type lineup, wasn't it? Two fellas, two lasses, uh, yeah. singing in the uh, in that style for the Eurovision, and they pulled it off. They won, uh, got a number one. But then by that time, ABBA have gone. Yeah, fuck that. We're not doing that anymore. We're doing spaghetti western ballads about. Can you imagine BBC Benny and Bjorn reporters. coming in and saying to the lasses? Right, take them daft fucking dresses off and put these ponchos on. Yeah. We're going it. We're, we're not a fucking disco act anymore. That bag we're in fucking the going up market. We're becoming fucking like a Peruvian panpipe outfit. That bag That's in where the, the corner. money is. Panpipes, get older one. Learn it by tomorrow. <laughs> stick this we're, on. We're stick this global. fucking bandito hat on and all. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> We're done with the other cunts. That's for fucking Brotherhood of Man. Brotherhood of Man, I always, when I picture them doing a silly dance to this mm-hmm. song, really silly dance, yeah. I always picture the main man being Dickie Davis. With a moustache, yeah. <laughs> Do you look a bit like Dickie Davis? Because in my mind, that's who it was. It wasn't. But yeah, right. he's got a moustache and a kind of a bouffant style hairstyle, but uh, it's, it's very much not Dickie Davis. Mm. Um, what else okay. we've got uh, oh Wings number two Silly Love Songs absolutely great song 
Wings. Is it? All of McCartney's 70 stuff. Underrated, I reckon. And, What's the uh, best Wings album? Is it Ram? Uh, it depends That's the if you're only a one I know. Or not. Hip, hipsters seem to think that it's it's Ram at the minute because Ram's just been reissued. Um, right. Oh, best Wings album. It's got to be the best of Wings, hasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get that then. Um, I mean, Band on the Run's really good, but that's probably like mm. an obvious sort of uh, a choice because that was probably the most popular one. Um, yeah, Silly Love Songs, Peak McCartney. You know, it's almost because he was a Beatle that it, his 70 stuff just sort of gets overlooked a bit. But, yeah. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Um, what else have we got? Anything in there you want to look at? Yeah, there's loads. Um, no charge. Let's have a look down here. Obviously, Midnight Train to Georgia. I would have dated that much earlier, so I was quite surprised that to see it in this 1976 chart. If you'd asked me, I would have said late 60s, early 70s, but there you go. Uh, I once had that Viz comic cartoon on a T-shirt, which one of their silly jokes that was popular in the 80s, which was a man standing in a phone box saying, I've got to go, there go the pips. Yeah, and in the background, Gladys Knight and the Pips were singing "I'm Leaving on That Midnight Train to Georgia." Yeah, of course, a fucking the... shit joke that someone went to the trouble of printing on a t-shirt, and then some other cunt bought it for me as a Christmas present. Yeah, lovely stuff. But of course, um, which I think I've mentioned it before on this podcast, after the uh, breakup of the group, um, mm. the Pips have not been seen in public ever since the, the group ended. Oh, the yeah, years. yeah, you've told me about that before. So, so what, we think she ate them or something? Well, no one knows. No one knows. But that incarnation of the Pips, obviously the Pips lineup changed over the years. She had but, one killed. Uh, I fucking don't say that. That's, I'll have to cut that out. i tell you what, Gladys Knight Licensed Secure is one of the most underrated well, James Bond themes ever. Yes, fucking that, brilliant. But, but is it autobiographical? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. She went, <sighs> people think that I sang that that I wrote that at the behest of Cobby Broccoli. No, I actually already had a song sitting around called Licence to Kill. The song was very much so in the when back. So when I heard that Bond was making a film called Licence to Kill, I called up Cobby and I said, listen, don't bother commissioning anyone else. I've already got a song called Licence to Kill. I wrote it about the... Actually, I'm not going to tell you what I wrote it about, but let's just say I drew on some personal experience. <laughs> All right, fuck it. I killed the pips. There you go. I've said it. <laughs> um, but, uh, good luck with finding the bodies. Our kid, Devil you just Woman, might see is me probably cry. one of Pip's best songs. Listen, our kid, four young scousers, on a kind of an Osman sort of tip. Oh, yeah. Ugh. enough of that four young scousers uh, obviously they're called our kid our kid our kid's on a group they've been on new faces and won it oh Harlem we want a scouse face to reflect their heritage so we've worked it down to a short list of our kids oh here comes the busies oh <laughs> careful switch on the lecky blanky <laughs> Pull on a nice pair of scalps. 
Uh, yeah. uh, it's funny how Jolene by Dolly Parton's at number 17. I think this the flavour of this 1976 chart is a little bit country and western. If you put that together mm. with No cha- no Charge and Fernando, mm-hmm. she's not quite country and western, but certainly has that kind of Latin vibe that you could <clears> envisage <throat> being in a western movie. Yeah, that was obviously there was something in the air in 1976, mate. There wasn't a kind of a prevailing trend of music that was like dominating the charts, was there? It was like I say, they I know we all... talk about punk and everything and disco, yeah. which came along. Mm. There was some pre-disco stuff like Candy Staten and uh, Archie Bell and the Drells uh, and all that sort of and stuff, which is more it? soul is that... stuff. Oh no, I don't know what this is. Yet. Maybe I'm thinking. This is it. This is it. This time I know yeah. it's the real thing. Yeah. Is that 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 at number nine? Yeah, that's sort of a disco track. It was, but it was it was disco as in it wasn't disco as in peak disco, which was kind of seventy seven no. seventy eight, wasn't it? It was pre disco, if you like. I mean, you to me are everything is one of the greatest lyrics of all time, isn't it? You to me are everything, the greatest song that I can sing. Oh, baby, to you, I guess I'm just a clown that picks you up each time you're down. I it's mean, it's a good. These are great it, lyrics. It's it's a great wedding dance song, isn't it? If you think about it like that, yeah. if you're dancing along to that with your your new bride. Um, Give me just a taste of love to base my dreams upon. You know you got the power to keep me holding on. So now you've had the best of me. Come on and take the rest of me. Fucking hell, they weren't fucking about that lot, were they? They really means. were the real thing. Um, anything else before we wrap up this chart and can consign it to the, the, the boys uh, are back in chart by Thin Lizzy? Obviously, really good. Young Hearts Run Free Candy Staten won the best singles of all yeah. time. Down at the bottom um, there, let's stick together by Boy. Sorry, by Brian Furry and Boy with TVC15. Again. I was just reading about um, how. Oh, I've already said that on the last episode. <laughs> Brian Ferry. Uh, single bed, we've done that. Yeah, and we're we, not allowed outside the top 40. You can, you can so, mention something yeah, outside think, the top 40 if you think it's of importance. Nah, don't think there is really. Nah, not really. There it goes to number 50. Stupid chart. Yeah. So uh, there we so are. That's it. That's, That's 1976 it. done. We've what, done with that what one. year. We'll be mm. back with more uh, in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, you're all top of our charts, you fuckers. Goodbye, pop pickers. Goodbye.